Sound Insight is sponsored by Burien Toyota and Burien Chevrolet, Catholic family-owned dealerships for over 30 years. Information about new and pre-owned cars and the service center is available at BurienToyota.com and BurienChevrolet.com. Together, let's drive. You're listening to an encore presentation of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Whereas the mentions of upcoming events and seasons may have passed, the insights still apply to helping Catholics grow in their daily life of faith. Sound Insight is produced by Sacred Heart Radio, and listener feedback is welcome. Give us a call at 800-949-1050. Enjoy the program. I want to thank Tom and Sound Insight for all he has done for the pro-life community. Listening has given me the gift to hear the Spirit speaking through Tom. Tom really gives you the insight on a practical level, on a daily basis, to be able to speak it to other people. Your show is unique. It presents teachings of the Catholic Church with an enthusiasm, and yet also gives ways of living that out day by day. Sound insight. Holy Spirit-driven teaching that gets people excited about their faith and living this life in abundance. Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Today, I'm going to continue to explore the central message of the gospel. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. I'm going to start to break down the different elements of that. I'll mention for a shorter period of time today, the concept of good news. And then I'm going to focus in on repentance because both of these are really critical to launching and growing in our life of faith. It'll be relevant for you. It'll be relevant for me, for everyone. I'll be back in a minute with Sound Insight. Hyder Construction is today's sponsor of Sound Insight on Sacred Heart Radio. Hyder Construction is a family-run business owned and operated by Ron Hyder. For over 25 years, Ron and his team have served their neighbors with roof replacement, remodeling, and more, including many of the churches, schools, and parish centers in the Archdiocese of Seattle. Hyder Construction can be reached at 425-771-3515 or visit haiderconstruction.com to learn more. Thank you, Hyder Construction. Are you prepared? Planning ahead for the end of life is a loving thing to do. Attend the free End of Life Workshop Saturday, January 27th at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Colbert. Join us for Mass at 8.30 a.m. At 9, staff from Holy Cross Funeral and Cemetery Services, the Diocese of Spokane, medical experts, and attorneys will cover a range of topics to help you create your plan. Be at peace knowing you are prepared. To RSVP, call Sister Bernadette at 509-467-5496. Hey, welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, good and gracious God, we do love you and thank you that you are our Father and you love us so much that you sent your Son, Jesus, to be born into our midst, into this world, to set us free and to be born into our hearts. And that, Jesus, you and the Father sent us the gift of your Spirit to sanctify us, purify us, cleanse us, heal us, anoint us, and send us forth into the world, that we would cry out, Abba, Father, and that we would proclaim the gospel with all that we are and have. Lord, help those realities become more substantial in us, 
make them more tangible and real in us so that people would sense not only our presence, but you present in our hearts and manifest in every word, every deed, all that we are. Lord, just give us the grace that as we show up, it would be more than just us, that you would be showing up in all of your glory, manifest through our lives. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Doesn't that sound like awesome? Wouldn't that be great? That people who struggle so much to believe there is a God, if they were able to come into contact with people who are so alive in God, whose union with the triune God, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, was so intense and profound that there was a radiance there was a, uh, and let's call it a perfume, a spreading, um, beautiful fragrance of the very presence of God. And even, even a sense of the holy light of God shining on people's lives to convict and convert. Not, well, they're not going to do the converting, but to convict by how we just show up. That's what a witness is. Witness is someone who is giving evidence, giving evidence about the reality of that which they are witnesses to or witnesses for. And if we had more vibrant, vital, enthusiastic witnesses of their Catholic faith in God the Father, in His Son Jesus, and in the Holy Spirit, and in living out that faith, wow, the church would be different. So we can't change everybody, but we can focus on ourselves. <laughs> and you know what? When it comes to certain parts of our own lives, we can't change ourselves. But you know what? We know someone who can. So today on the program, I'm going to take a look at the central message of the gospel. Jesus comes proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. I won't have a chance to get into every aspect of that central message today. I don't know, maybe I'll surprise myself, but I don't think so based on my outline. But I, I do want to dive into these elements because it does draw out into the open certain factors that are connected to our life of faith that maybe aren't always uh, presented in a way that, that is simple and clean, and, or maybe we're just not aware of them. So let's get started. So Jesus comes and proclaims the kingdom of God is at hand, but he calls it good news. He calls it good news. And there have been some beautiful reflections. Uh, I think of Pope Benedict's reflections on the concept of news, that it, what Jesus proclaims is good news. Sorry, they, they, he reflects on the concept of good news, that this reality of good news is a type of literary genre. It's, it's a type of literature. It's a type of writing. You can think of poet, uh, poetry, comics, uh, legal documents. Well, good news was also a specific form of writing, and it was identifying a, uh, it was identifying really the source of the message. That when a an official would come and post or announce, "I have good news. I have gospel." 
what they're referring to is any message that comes from the king, from the one in power. So good news by its very nature is a message that comes from the king. Now, when you look at the, the content of the message, it might not be always good for the one who's reading it. There's an increase in taxes, or there is a, uh, a conscript, uh, conscript, conscription and a need to go and present yourself to fight in battle if you're fighting the, the king's army. Right? So there can be all kinds of messages that are presented under the heading, Good News. But Jesus employs this. He employs his message as a message that comes from a king. And not just any old king, but the king of all kings, the Lord God himself. So Jesus is proclaiming himself as a messenger, a revealer of a message that comes, a communication that comes from God. That's the first part. But there's another way of distinguishing the, the concept of good news, and that's putting the focus not on the total phrase good news, but on the concept of news and how news differs from other types of communication. And so one of the things that I've, uh, I've done in the course of you know, um, 30 years now uh, teaching about the Catholic faith is I drew upon a distinction made by a Catholic novelist and essayist named Walker Percy. He's written a number of novels um, in the last half of the 20th century, and many of them I found just so very enjoyable. But he also wrote a, a couple of books of essays and, and types of reflections. One's called Lost in the Cosmos. But the one that I find um, most interesting and have gone through multiple times is called The Message in the Bottle. Message in the Bottle. And in it, um, he has a, a chapter, an essay, where he reflects on the distinction between the gospel as news and other types of communication, such as two plus two is four, or here's a recipe for making chocolate chip cookies, or uh, here is how you properly trim hedges, you know, things like that. So that's information. And that's the kind of communication of data that can people can come upon at any time in any way. That's Walker Percy talks about it like this. There's nothing that is so specifically time bound about two plus two is four, you know, mathematical formulas, or so many other types of information. And he distinguishes that with news. And he says news is that type of communication that when it is heard, it requires, by the very nature of the communication, it requires a response. And if you fail to respond to the announcement of news, you fail to hear it as news. So in his essay, he uses the British are coming, the British are coming. You know, the, the midnight ride of Paul Revere. So as Paul Revere is going from town to town, making his way to Lexington and Concord, he is announcing that the British have come ashore in Boston and they're marching towards Lexington. And so he is warning people. And as he is 
riding uh, his horse through the streets of Boston and then uh, out on his way towards Lexington and Concord, he's passing by various homes of officials and towns along the way. And he's waking them up and he's making this announcement. This is not just information. He doesn't show up and say, two and two is four. He doesn't say, this is how you make chocolate chip cookies. He says, the British are coming. And the people who hear this, they're being asked to recognize that there's something at stake in this communication. That this news is actually impinging upon their lives. It touches their situation. And in fact, if they respond slowly or poorly to this announcement, if they don't make the necessary response to the news that has been brought to them, then they will suffer loss. They will be impacted by the consequences of not responding to news when it's communicated to them. And so if you're beginning to get at what I'm saying, now when Jesus is communicating that the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of God is imminent, it is breaking in, it is coming around the bend, and it's coming towards you, that this announcement, this news, personally impacts your life. It touches you. And if you fail to respond appropriately to the coming kingdom, to this, if you will, tidal wave or this tsunami that is about to wash over the walls and come crashing towards you, then you know what? There's a lot at stake, maybe even your life. So one of the biggest things that I feel that has held back the proclamation of the gospel in the church today is that most Catholics, most Catholics, especially those who've grown up in a Catholic home and have gone to Catholic schools, is that they have learned the faith as information. They've learned the gospel, the good news, the proclamation of Jesus Christ. They've learned this good news as information to be memorized and then correctly responded to when there's a, a test let me give the right answer. Rather than as news that personally touches their lives. So if they hear that uh, the teachings of the church are presented to them in a, in a, in a Sunday school setting, catechism, uh, you know, class setting, and some other church setting, and they only are hearing what they receive as good information— and not good news, then they've failed to recognize that this message actually has personal implications and is impinging upon. It is coming into contact with, in a serious and significant and completely transformative way, because it's news. The British are coming. The British are coming. The kingdom of God is coming. And we are called upon to make a response. And so one of the things that I, I want to encourage you to think about for your own life and as you present the faith to your own families 
is do you ever propose it? Do you ever think about how you communicate it? In other words, do you raise the awareness of your kids that the moment you're about to enter into, the moment of prayer, the moment of coming together before the Lord, the moment of coming together as a family, is a moment where God just might break in. God is coming. The Lord is here, and he is speaking to us right now. If we have the ears to hear, if we have the sensitivity in our hearts to recognize, the Lord is coming. He's coming into your life. He's coming towards your life. This is good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. In another program, I won't do it today. I'll do it tomorrow when I talk about faith. I'm going to come back to this issue because I want to um, shift from the message of Jesus to the message about Jesus. And here's specifically what I mean. It's that the message of the gospel, the good news, when uh, Jesus ascended into heaven and sent forth his spirit, and the early first-generation Christians went evangelizing, went on mission, they proclaimed a very simple message. Christ is risen. That's, if you will, the synthesis of the gospel. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And they announced it as news. And, and, and it's not just news that didn't have any relevance to the people who heard it, but somehow, in some way, the reality that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead actually has personal implications for every hearer of this announcement. And so tomorrow, actually, you know what? Tomorrow, Carrie's going to be on. <laughs> I might have to do this. Actually, all right, going with the Holy Spirit here. After the break, I'm going to dig into just what it means to say that Christ is risen, has, is news, not just information. So you say to the kids, kids, what happened on Good Friday? Christ died. What happened uh, on Easter Sunday? Christ rose from the dead. And they, they know the answers to the test. They got the information right. But do they experience this reality as news? After the break, I'm going to break open how we can do that. Are you helping to coordinate or promote a faith-filled event for a nonprofit ministry or organization in the Pacific Northwest? Let Sacred Heart Radio help you spread the word. Event promotion on Sacred Heart Radio is a great way to reach thousands of Catholics in the Northwest with information about local upcoming events. If you are interested in highlighting your event on Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran, call Sacred Heart Radio at 800-949-1050 or email info at sacredheartradio.org. Hey, welcome back to Sun Insight. It's Tom Curran. So, doing a little bit of theological reflection here on the central message of the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And I'm focusing in on that concept of news. That what the gospel is isn't just information to be memorized and then correctly restated when asked. But that as news, it has a relevance to our personal situation. 
And it calls forth from us a specific response. By the way, once I get out uh, the news element of things, I'll tell you what the response is. Actually, you already know it. It's repent and believe. So repentance is the point of focus that I was going to um, primarily cover in this program. And I'll get there. But I want to unfold the way in which Christ is risen is actually news. And it's news for you. It's news for me. It's news for your kids. And it's good news. Well, how is that news? How is it news that uh, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead is relevant to my life and my situation? Imagine the early missionaries, early evangelists, coming across uh, coming across the, the, the Jewish synagogue in an in a, in a Asia Minor, in a city in modern-day Turkey, and uh, goes into the synagogue and announces that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, and he was crucified, and I've got good news. He is risen from the dead. And some people who would maybe listen to that with a less than, uh, let's say, completely open spirit, would say, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead? Good for him. Good for him. And, and, and you say, no, 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 this is actually relevant to you. And the answer is, well, how? All right, let's take a look at the reality of life in a very, let's call it just sim- a simple existential manner, in a manner that just says, in my eyes wide open, let me look within myself, and look around me at the world and the experiences of what I see, and let's see what I come up with. Well, the first thing I come up with is, I'm alive, and I'm conscious that I'm alive. And if I take that just a couple steps further, I recognize that I haven't always been alive. Uh, A number of years ago, and whoever is listening, you put on your own age, that many years ago, I was born into this world. I didn't choose to be born And I didn't realize I was born until I had the dawning of self-awareness, the dawning of self-consciousness, where I began to reflect on the fact that I am a person and I exist in this world with, oh, look around, a whole bunch of other people that also exist in this world. And when I take that a step further, I recognize that, you know what? They also were like me. (laughs) They weren't always around. They also were born into this world. And then when I take it the next step, I realize that I, who haven't always been alive and I'm alive right now, with a whole bunch of other people who weren't always alive and are alive right now, I look around and I recognize that some of those people that I saw that were alive at one point are no longer alive. They have died. And when I look around and I see all the people that are around me, All these people that historically have been alive like I have, didn't choose to be born, lived a life, and then ended up dead. So I look at my life and I see all the people around me and I see what happens to them, that the people that were born and and lived and then died, there's something about them from a human standpoint, just a human experience standpoint. The people who were once alive and died They stay dead. And so when I look at my life and I look at the horizon of my life, the horizon of my life is, well, 
the moment I was born, the moment I became conscious of the fact that I was born and I'm alive, and then when I cast into the future, the horizon of my own sense of my own life is, in fact, my death. And as far as I can tell, just looking around at the experience of everybody else, those who die stay dead, and so will I, when, I'm di- when I die, stay dead. That's the existential experience of many people. Okay, and they may take it the next step and say, hmm, I don't really like my situation. This isn't fun. <laughs> Let me try to avoid this situation, avoid thinking about it. Let me busy myself. Let me try to find meaning in the things that are right around me to distract or divert my attention and enjoy what I can while I'm here, right? You have a sort of a skeptic's uh, approach to life. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. So try to get all the gusto you can out of life right now because one day you're going to die. Well, all of a sudden, in the midst of this sort of framing of the meaning of life, a person comes up and says, I've got good news. Here's the news. You know, life, there's this guy, Jesus Christ. He, like you, was born into this world. He lived a life. And I got to tell you about his death. But he rose from the dead. He didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead and he ascended. He went to be with God forever in heaven. And that's where, again, I'm saying the first reaction of a person who might hear this with the existential reflections and the personal reflections that I've just shared with you would say, good for him. Until then, the evangelist says, no, 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 no. This involves you. Or it can involve you if you're willing to join in. And then it's like, what are you talking about? Well, I mentioned to you this man, Jesus. Well, there's more to the story. Jesus Christ isn't just a man. He is the Son of God who became man. He was prophesied, and there are all these signs of his coming in the history of God's people. It was an expected Messiah, and he comes and identifies himself as the Messiah, as the Savior, as the coming King who would establish a kingdom, and he did it in a way that completely upended, shocked, and surprised all of us who were awaiting the coming of the Messiah. He brought his kingdom by his death on a cross. He underwent a gruesome passion and a death, but he told us about the meaning of this death, that he who had come from God and was God himself and yet was fully like us as a man, that when he died, He wasn't dying his own death alone. He was dying all of our deaths. You see, all of us are in this world, born and broken and in a fallen world where we too face the reality of death. And so Jesus said, I will take upon myself your situation. I will take upon myself your condition I will take upon myself all that is death and death-dealing 
inside of you, sins and failings. I will take all of that upon myself because I am not only a man, I am God, your creator, and I am God become man precisely so that I could take all of you upon myself and I would have my death have a meaning that goes beyond my death alone. It will also mean your death. You see, in anticipation of what's going to happen to you when you die, I'm taking that on right now in my death. And as I go down into death, I will suffer through the consequences of all of your sins, of all of your failings, all of your brokennesses, all of those things that have dislocated you from a relationship with God. And I will overcome them. I will rise victorious through them. I will go down into the deepest, darkest depths of death, and I will rise forth from them. And I will overcome death in not just a normal human body, but in a glorious body, one that is fitted for the reality of heaven. And when I rise, I'm not just rising for myself, not showing off, but I'm rising to show you what will happen to your life if you grant me your life. I will show you through my life and my death and my resurrection what will happen to you in your life, your death, and your resurrection. And you can even begin to experience it right now. This is good news. It grants you a new horizon, a new horizon for your life. You see, your life in the horizon that you had ended at death. But I'm going to grant you a horizon that goes through death, beyond death, to a life without end. The horizon is now heaven and life with my Father and the Spirit as a child of God. That is good news. Do you, do you get it? Do you, do you understand now <laughs> that this reality of what Jesus comes to announce, the kingdom of God breaking into earth, is that he is offering you and me a way out of the fallen condition of humanity, which is cut off from God. And he offers us and cut off from the reality of heaven and being able to achieve the destiny for which God has created us. But the Lord is bigger than our sin. And so he sends his son precisely to set us free from all that within us smells like death, feels like death, feels like shame and guilt, brokenness, hurt, self-hatred, anger, resentment, pain, suffering, all of that. Jesus says, I know the poison that's in you. I know the impacts of that stuff that's in you. And I want to draw it out of you. I want to draw it out of you and take it into myself. And I want to move into you my risen life right here, right now, so that even now you can sense you can taste, you can experience in some ways the reality that you are God's children and that you'll experience life that is bigger than the life that you got that's natural life. You'll experience joy, 
a kind of joy that goes beyond the, 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 the kind of joys that this world offers. Peace that surpasses all, all understanding and goes beyond anything that the world could take away or give. The peace is bigger than that, deeper than that, more lasting than that. It gives us hope, a confidence as we face our future, that the last sting of death has been overcome for me already. And I know it because Jesus is risen and I taste his spirit within me. I sense his life within me. And, and that gives me confidence. You see, that's the good news. That's the good news. That's what our kids need to know. That's what each of us need to know. Hey, folks, you're on the Titanic and it's sinking. But you know what? I know where the lifeboat is. I know where the only lifeboat is. <laughs> I know the captain of the lifeboat. And it's bigger than the Titanic. And so follow me and I want to lead you off of a sinking ship. Our lives are sinking ships. We're alive right now, but we're headed towards death. We're not made for death. We're made for life. And Jesus has come to offer us a path, not just to life, not just to restored life, but to new life, a resurrected life as God's very children, a recreated life. And so when when we can grasp that this is news, this actually is an invitation. The kingdom of God is coming. And, and there's a moment, it's called a moment of grace, a moment of insight, a moment of enlightenment, a moment when it dawns on us what our actual condition is, that in that moment, we're called upon to take action to take the necessary action in order for us to be able to welcome that kingdom, in order for us to be able to be welcomed by Jesus into the reality of his passion and death and resurrection. In fact, just to give you a sense of the fact I'm not making this stuff up, What's the first sacrament we receive? Baptism. What is baptism? It's our immersion, our being plunged into, it's our being buried into Jesus Christ. And not just into Jesus Christ in his life, but into specifically his passion, his death, and his resurrection. That's why traditional baptismal fonts have eight sides to recognize the eighth day. What's the eighth day? The, the, the creation seven days. Oh, the eighth day is the next first day. It's the new creation. Creation was seven. Eight is the new creation. So eight sides points us to the fact that baptism leads us to the new creation. Traditionally, there were three steps down. Why? Well, those are the, the realities of the passion and death and resurrection of Jesus. Well, then the three steps up are the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because we come out new creations. They go in naked to sense the cleansing and the cleaning and the fact that we are creatures of God. We come out clothed in white because now there's a newness to us, holy, undefiled children of God. That's baptism, and that's good news. Are you prepared? 
Planning ahead for the end of life is a loving thing to do. Attend the free end of life workshop Saturday, January 27th at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Colbert. Join us for Mass at 8.30 a.m. At 9, staff from Holy Cross Funeral and Cemetery Services, the Diocese of Spokane, medical experts, and attorneys will cover a range of topics to help you create your plan. Be at peace knowing you are prepared. To RSVP, call Sister Bernadette at 509-467-5496. Thank you to Hyder Construction for being today's sponsor of Sound Insight on Sacred Heart Radio. Hyder Construction is owned and operated by Ron Hyder. Ron and his wife Maureen are active parishioners at Holy Rosary Parish in Edmonds. For all of your roofing and remodeling needs, Hyder Construction can be reached at 425-771-3515 or visit haiderconstruction.com to see samples of their workmanship. Welcome back to Sunset. Today I'm talking about the central message of the gospel and breaking open the concept of good news, that what Jesus proclaims, what the church teaches, is good news. But because we often hear it as teaching, we've learned it as teaching, rather than as preaching, when you hear preaching, you preach the good news. You don't really teach the good news. You can teach about the good news, but the good news is to be preached. It is to be proclaimed. It is to be announced. Because when the message is heard, those who hear it, if they hear it as news, must make a response. Not to respond is not to have heard it as news. Too many Catholics have never, ever heard the gospel as news as a communication that is utterly relevant to the most fundamental aspects of their condition and calling for a very specific response. Now, I've said to you, I've already told you what the response is, repent and believe. Let's start with repentance. Because what is repentance? We think of repentance as saying sorry. And and it does have something to do with it, absolutely. But when you take a look at Jesus' actual teaching about repentance and the nature of repentance, you can think of uh, Luke chapter 16. It's the, you know, it's the famous, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 15, the famous chapter of the, um, the Jesus dining with the Pharisees and the sinners and the prostitute, I'm sorry, the, with the prostitutes and sinners and the Pharisees and Sadducees come up and say, hey, why are you eating with them? And then Jesus tells three parables, right? It's the lost sheep, it's the lost coin, and the prodigal son. Well, the only reason we say that there are these three stories, and these these stories also are stories of repentance, stories of why Jesus is eating, there's, there's actually a fourth story. But because it's the beginning of chapter 16, it's not often connected with this same dinner. And it's the story of the wily manager. You have a rich man who gets his steward, his manager, and reports to him and says, hey, give me an account of what you're doing. I, I, I'm, I'm getting not so good news about you. <laughs> and, he, and he basically says, hey, you're going to have to give an account uh, to me for what you've done because the time of your service has come to an end. And if you remember what the wily manager does, he says, whoa. I can't go dig ditches. I'm too proud. My my master is going to, my employer is going to dismiss me. I don't want to go begging. He says, I have it. I have a way to make sure that people will take me into their homes when I'm let go. 
And so he goes to the, each of these debtors that the master has, and he says, hey, how much are you owed? A hundred? Okay, make that 50. Okay, how much are you owed? Okay, uh, you, you answered you are owed a hundred measures? Okay, take that and make it 80. And he does this, and it says that the, the master gives his devious employee credit for being enterprising. And it's, it's like, what is Jesus saying here? Well, Jesus is actually teaching us about the nature of repentance. I know it doesn't look like it, but the nature of repentance is that when this wily manager has the news, receives the announcement that he's going to have to give an account, what does he do? He takes the necessary steps in order to properly address his situation so that he isn't, uh, he doesn't face a disastrous outcome. He takes the necessary steps to respond to his current condition. And that's what repentance is. Repentance is all about taking the necessary steps to appropriately address our current circumstances, because there is a lot at stake in our repentance and our belief. And what's, the, what's at stake? Heaven and hell. Let's put it right out there. What's at stake is eternal life with God forever in heaven, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the angels and the saints, and our loved ones that have gone before us in faith, the very reality for which God create us, created us, towards which God is drawing us, for which God has sent his son to die for us, sent his spirit to cleanse us, to prepare us a home in heaven. That's what we were made for. But hell is a real possibility. Teaching of the church. Hell is a real possibility for you and for me. We just we have within us the capacity to dishonor God in a death-dealing way, in a self-excluding way. Did you hear that? Hell is defined by the catechism as definitive self-exclusion because it's not what God willed. God wills salvation for all. But we, we have to join in. Remember that whole, it's good for him? No, I want it to be good for me. I want to be in on that. I want to say yes to that. I say yes to that. And that takes two forms, repentance and belief. And so, if we're going to respond to the good news, we must be willing to repent. And meaning, taking serious action to address the condition that we're in in order to rescue us and allow ourselves to be rescued from those ways of living that dishonor God and just might deal death to our spiritual life and lead to definitive self-exclusion in hell. I care more about that than I care about anything else in life. You have to know that. I care more about your salvation than I care about your health. I care more about your salvation than I care about your economic situation. I care more about your salvation, that you would achieve the end for which you were created than I do about your reputation. 
I care more about your salvation than I care about what you think about me. I, it's a horror to me that anyone listening to me and then even closer to home that anyone that I know, any family member of mine would not be in heaven. That is something that, I don't know why it doesn't make us tremble with a holy fear, a holy fear. Do not live in fear, little little flock. It has pleased the Father to give you the kingdom, right? It has pleased the Father to give you the kingdom. But we have to receive the kingdom. We have to receive all that the kingdom is. And that means that we receive the king as Lord, as the one who is in charge. And so we have to correspond. We have to do our part. And so that first part is repentance. And so in, uh, in what happens now and what happens in probably the rest of the program, I'm going to unfold three different meanings of repentance. And this is worth reflecting on because I think for many of us, when we think of repentance, we think about saying sorry. And we think about uh, people kind of yelling, repent, turn or burn, right? So very uh, strong sense of the need to repent uh, coming from voices that maybe are a little bit <laughs> scary. What I'm going to do is trace out the, the meaning of repentance in three different meanings connected to St. John Paul II's way of identifying the human person moving forward into action. He talks about actions or behaviors and how those are related to attitudes or ways of relating. And those realities, attitudes, are actually traced back to what he would call awareness or consciousness. If you've, if you've listened to me through the years on Sound Insight, these categories will hopefully be somewhat familiar. In other words, how I see something, how it lives in my mind, how I'm conscious of it or I'm aware of it, how I see something impacts how I relate to it. So you can take a look at a football game, and it's the same game, but how people see the game is going to impact tremendously how they relate to the outcome, (laughs) namely, who are you rooting for, right? Same game, same exact score at the end, but for one, it lives in their consciousness in a way that is a complete victory and the other one a defeat. So how you see something, how it lives in you, impacts how you relate to it or your attitude, right? A lot of kids who are showing attitude are showing their attitude because of how they look at it. So if you say kids have a bad attitude at mass, it's because of how they see it. They see it as boring, irrelevant. They don't understand it, all that sort of stuff. And then your attitude comes out into the open. How you're relating to something comes out into the open in your behaviors, in how you're acting. So awareness, attitude, action. Consciousness, how you're relating to it, behaviors. How I see, how I relate, how I behave. Each of those can also relate to repentance. Are you prepared? Planning ahead for the end of life is a loving thing to do. Attend the free end of life workshop Saturday, January 27th at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Colbert. Join us for Mass at 8.30 a.m. At 9, staff from Holy Cross Funeral and Cemetery Services, the Diocese of Spokane, medical experts, and attorneys will cover a range of topics to help you create your plan. Be at peace knowing you are prepared. To RSVP, call Sister Bernadette at 509-467-5496. 
Hyder Construction is today's sponsor of Sound Insight on Sacred Heart Radio. Hyder Construction is a family-run business owned and operated by Ron Hyder. For over 25 years, Ron and his team have served their neighbors with roof replacement, remodeling, and more, including many of the churches, schools, and parish centers in the Archdiocese of Seattle. Hyder Construction can be reached at 425-771-3515 or visit haiderconstruction.com to learn more. Thank you, Hyder Construction. Welcome back to Sun Insight. So I'm talking about three different ways of repenting related to these three categories of, of how we live as human beings, how we're aware of things, our attitude towards things, and our actions. Again, you'll see that in St. John Paul II's writings, especially in his book on what's called Sources of Renewal and how the Church will experience renewal uh, in, uh, in, in the modern time, after the Second Vatican Council, by implementing the Second Vatican Council. And he says it begins with your consciousness, that the truths of our faith need to be implanted into our consciousness, how we see them, then that will flow out into our, our attitudes, how we're relating to things, and then that'll show in our behaviors. Okay. Now, that's really important because of how we see repentance. If we see repentance with some of those negative connotations or images or ways of thinking about uh, repentance, then we're not going to be that excited about it. But if you look more closely at repentance, you'll see that there's tremendous celebration. I mentioned Luke chapter 15. How is repentance proposed there? Well, you have the lost sheep, and you have the, the shepherd finding the lost sheep and bringing the sheep back to the flock. And there will be great rejoicing when that that lost sheep is brought home. And there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over those who have no need of repentance. You have the woman with the lost coin. And that was a sense of, she lost her sense of completeness, her sense of of wholeness. And, And all of a sudden now with that lost coin, that would impact her reputation greatly. And so, finding her lost coin, there's a need to celebrate. And you think, well, wait a minute, she's going to have to spend some of those coins to get to be able to have, have the celebration. No, this idea that she, what's, she's been restored to completeness, to wholeness, to this sense of, okay, I can show my face without any shame, that that is worth celebrating. And then the story of the prodigal son. And again, you know, you, all kinds of themes that you can reflect on there. Well, the prodigal son gets home, and the key is that when the older brother comes in, there is music and dancing. There is festivity. There is celebration. And, and the father, when he comes out to, to talk to the, older, to the older brother, says, we have to celebrate because your brother's dead and he's, he's alive. He's lost and he's been found. And so it's all about, here's the word, joy. Repentance is about joy. It's about being rescued. Repentance is about coming home. Repentance is about coming back into wholeness. It's about being stuck, being removed from stuckness and lostness to being back in the fold. You see, that's what repentance is to be associated with in our minds, is joy. It's heaven rejoicing over our repentance. Acts of the Apostles calls repentance life-giving. We think of repentance as a downer, as something, okay, you caught me, I'm sorry, I did it. And, and that's not real repentance. 
No, real repentance is a sorrow that's rooted in love. It's a, sor- it's a sorrow over the fact that I've chosen things that have put me into a stuck, dark, broken, lost place. And I, in my repentance, I come to experience the joy of rescue, the joy of returning, the joy of being set free from the bondage to darkness and sin. So when I talk about repentance and these three different ways of of, of um acting in relationship to repentance, uh, it's about joy. I want you to hear that. It's about joy. All right, let's start. When we think about repentance in terms of actions, and then we'll go to attitudes, and then we'll go to the deepest level of repentance, which is with regards to your consciousness or your awareness. Well, with regards to our actions, that's easy. We repent of our misdeeds in our thoughts, in our words, in what we've done, in what we've failed to do. So each and every one of us can, if we're reflective, if we just examine our consciences, come to the awareness that, in fact, we need to repent each and every day, each and every day. Don't just think that repentance is going to confession because that's the sacramental way that we say we're sorry for our sins. I will talk about confession, not today, but each and every day, do you say, Father, I'm so sorry. Jesus, forgive me. Holy Spirit, I have, I have grieved you by how I'm living. I am so sorry, Lord. I tell you, I don't want to say I swear, but every day, I mean, really, every day, I'm like, God, I am so sorry for what I've done. I'm so sorry for those thoughts, those words, those deeds, or those omissions. Please forgive me. Please, Father, it is not how I want to live. Forgive me. So, I, if you haven't experienced the power of repentance, I encourage you to just begin by repenting. I don't want to say you're repenting over not having experienced the, the, the freshness and lightness and joy and, and beautiful benefits of repenting. I don't mean that. But I mean just fall on your knees. And getting on your knees is actually not a bad thing. It's a very humbling action. So do it in a, a private place on your knees. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sins. And Lord, I'm sorry for not even knowing all the sins that I should be sorry for. Please forgive me. Please, Lord, help me to be cognizant. Help me to become aware of the, the ways that I fall short, the ways that I settle for less, the ways that I'm, I'm stuck in sins. Forgive me. So I do encourage you to practice that form of repentance. And you can practice it on a daily basis. A daily basis. Simply stating your deep sorrow, your despising of sin, of your own sin, of the sins that you commit. I will say that as you take on this practice, it will begin to extend in your heart and you'll begin to find yourself repenting on behalf of those that are in your inner circle, those that are under your authority, repenting for the sins of your spouse and your children. Not that you're directly responsible but that the intimate connection of love and the God-given connection of, of, of family that he has placed in you, you will sense a movement from, uh, from I and they to 
we. Lord, just forgive us our sins. Forgive us for the ways that we fall short. Lord, please, you know, grant forgiveness to my kids, my spouse, and to me for the ways that we have failed you. And then they'll even extend out all the way to the whole world. You will. You'll eventually, your heart will expand and you'll find yourself repenting on behalf of the whole world. Okay, that's the deeds. Then there is the second layer. Remember now, it's uh, adi- uh, actions are traced back to attitudes, ways of relating. You see, one of the important dynamics that you'll recognize in your spiritual life once you start going to confession regularly is that, that sin doesn't just live in at the level of action. It lives at the level of attitude. And it's often the attitudes, the ways that we relate to things, these sinful attitudes that give birth to the sinful deeds. And we can go to confession and confess sinful deeds every week and find ourselves falling back into the sins until we get at something deeper, the attitudes. And the way that repentance shows up with regards to attitudes is by renouncing. It's the act of renunciation. I renounce my connection to this sinful aspect of my life. I renounce this whole way of using my mind and my imagination. I renounce this sinful way that I use my time, that I use my money, that I, I use my, my words, that I spend my, uh, my efforts and energy. If I, I'm, I'm leaving it generic, but I'm probably, you're probably going to be able to identify, and if not, ask the Lord to reveal it, different attitudes in your life that are holding you back, that you need to renounce. And that act of renouncing is, I want to cut it off. I want to diminish and dry it up. I want to end the, any level of, of connection to this in my life. That's what renouncing is. So we repent of our deeds. We renounce our sinful attitudes. And then at the deepest level, I don't have time to go into it uh, today fully, but let's just say quickly that with regards to your consciousness, how you see things, that is something you have to cry out to the Lord. It's a work of God. It's a work of grace. It's a work of his light that enlightens our inmost being. And we, like the, the prodigal son in the pigsty, he came to himself. It was given to him as a gift of light, enlightenment by the Lord, that he realized his condition. And there are so many ways that we cling to ways of seeing things that just lead us to sinful attitudes and sinful behaviors. Clinging to our own thinking is pride. One, it's one of the definitions in St. Thomas Aquinas. And so begging the Lord, Lord, convert my mind. Grant me the mind of Christ. Convert my way of thinking. That's the deepest metanoia. That's the deepest transformation of our mindset, of how we see. And that's a gift from God. Beg the Lord every day for the gift of a conversion of how you see. All right, there it is. That's repentance. God bless your day. Sound Insight's primary sponsors are Burien Chevrolet and Burien Toyota. We'd like to thank Catholic business owner Dean Anderson for supporting Sound Insight. Burien Chevrolet and Burien Toyota are located off First Avenue South in downtown Burien. And all inventory of new and pre-owned vehicles are featured online at BurienToyota.com and BurienChevrolet.com. Together, let's drive. 
Thanks again for listening to Sound Insight, and may God bless your day.